0: welcome to manufacturing tomorrow focusing on advanced manufacturing innovations solutions and partnerships that exist in our region now and in the future hello you are listening to manufacturing tomorrow brought to you by the ohio manufacturing institute at the ohio state university i'm marty kress your host for this segment of the show today we are speaking with congressman tim ryan U.S. Representative for Ohio's 13th Congressional District. Congressman Ryan serves Northeast Ohio, including Youngstown and Akron. Elected in 2003, Congressman Ryan currently serves on the House Appropriations and House Budget Committees. He's also the founder and co-chair of the Congressional Manufacturing Caucus, as well as the co-chair of the Congressional Addiction, Treatment, and Recovery Caucus. Before heading to D.C., Congressman Ryan served in the Ohio Senate, He received a degree in political science from Bowling Green State University, and he earned his Juris Doctor degree from Franklin Pierce Law School in New Hampshire. And he's a native (laughs) of Niles, Ohio. (laughs) Congressman Ryan, welcome to the podcast. We're honored to have you. Great to be with you, Marty. Um, Since you were elected in 2003, you have been a strong advocate for the manufacturing industry, and your work must be paying off. When I worked in the Senate, we referred to it as the Rust Belt. Now we refer to it as investing in American innovation and new advanced manufacturing. Can you talk about your work and the effort it took to transition from the old perception to the new perception and the coalition that you had to build to do that?
1: Yeah, we're still working on it. You know, there's still a lot of people out there who still think of manufacturing as the old line integrated uh, steel mill, uh, hard hats, lunch buckets. Yeah, dirty, you know, soot on your front porch uh, a couple times a day that you'd have to sweep off. And it's, uh, as you know, and many of your listeners know, it's not quite like that. When I first got to Congress 14 years ago, there was a caucus for everything. A caucus is something in the House of Representatives that pull people together. There's one for rock and roll. There's one for Azerbaijan and the Ukraine, and there's one for everything. But there was not a manufacturing caucus. So we started one back then, uh, and just to focus on manufacturing issues and this new line of advanced manufacturing, and then that led into what the President uh, Obama wanted to do with bringing the national networks uh, of manufacturing together, Uh, and now uh, through that process, we've been able to authorize up to 15 of these institutes, public-private partnerships, and really... It came out of a lot of uh, academia, Um, I think a lot of personal experiences from members of Congress. I think President Obama really took the lead because our model is based on the German model of integrating private sector companies with the public sector and really sharing resources and recognizing that you always got to be on the cutting edge. And what I try to tell folks back home is, you know, there's a reason the steel mill located in Youngstown, Ohio. There was water. It was a good location. They were around the natural resources that they needed to make the steel, the coal, the limestone, the water for transportation purposes, and the cool to steel. So today, what are the natural resources we need for the next generation of manufacturing? And it comes from the human being. It comes from the intellect of uh, the creativity of the human being. And so these networks are about pulling the intellectual human capital together so that synergy can lead to the next generation.
0: Super. The world is changing is a theme behind this uh, discussion today. Uh, In the president's budget submission, you noted he's committed to 15 more manufacturing institutes before the end of his term. They also point to the fact that they hope to create 45 more after his term. Could you talk about the base of support on the Hill? Is it bipartisan? Can we look out and feel confident that we're going to deal with this issue and create more capacity across the U.S.?
1: Well, I think Democrats are pretty supportive. Um, Right now, unfortunately, in the Republican Party, there's a real narrative that the government can't do anything right. And that that narrative has really bled over into the, the national conversation, which I think has been very harmful and really has ignored the relationship that the public sector has always had with job creation and not necessarily direct jobs like the old WPA from the Depression where the government pays somebody to just go to work because the economy is so bad. But the idea that uh, like the institutes we were visiting here uh, today uh, at Ohio State um, where the public sector helps pay for you know, high-end microscopes right. that private sector companies really can't afford to buy these. They'd rather rent them from the – or rent time from them from the public sector, from the university – which gets money from the Defense Department or the Department of Energy or the National Science Foundation. And that way, the private sector has a little more money to put into other things that they need to do, but they can still share in the research and get beyond the cutting edge. But if we're saying that everything the government does is bad, you're starting to cut out that seed corn that you need in order to lead to the growth you have. And you think, you know, for the listeners, you think of the space program. The amount of technology that spun out of the space program, the amount of technology that that spun out of the Department of Defense um, with the the Internet is the most obvious example was a Defense Department initiative to try to connect people working internally in the Defense Department and then eventually opened it up. No one company was going to do the research to uh, connect their company like the Defense Department could put that money up front. But look what's happened. Look what's happened with satellites, with the telecommunications, fuel cells, on and on and on and on, because the public took the lead in the risk on things that other people couldn't do. And so the networks are about putting that public sector money up front early to galvanize and create the synergy between the public and private sector. And and so we're having trouble getting funding from our friends on the Republican side, and we have to talk to them, and I tell manufacturers all the time who may be a Republican and I'm a Democrat, which I don't care, I work across the aisle all the time, but we've gotta break down that narrative. We've gotta break down that the government can't do anything right, because we've done a lot right. We don't do everything right, but it's a human institution, so there's gonna be problems. But look, we're not gonna balance the budget in the long term. We're not gonna correct our economy By just cutting things, we've got to invest in the next generation. And we've always done that as a country. What's ironic, uh, Marty, is that other countries are stealing our model. You know, post World War II, we were like, okay, we're going to, the government's role is defense, uh, transportation, research and development, job training. Pretty much, you know, we would do entitlements and things, but that was like for economic purposes, boom, that's what we were going to do. Private sector would come in. Now you look at these other countries, this is what they're they're implementing our model and we're cutting our model, right. <laughs> the one that got us to where we were. You know, it's like if Urban Meyer is running certain plays that are working, he's going to run them until they stop working. And, and we have to have that same attitude.
0: There's an old saying uh, Joe Biden once used that plagiarism is the highest form of flattery. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we should all be quite pleased with that. But you raise a, a, a good point, and the microscopy center that you saw reflects that. So does the fabrication assembly facility up at Lorraine Community College. In the future, multi-purpose assets funded by universities and the government help enable small and medium-sized businesses get into new markets. Mm-hmm. And over time, they may need the asset but at the front end, as you inferred, no one can afford these assets. Would you like to talk about, you know, NNMI is something everyone on the show knows about. What they don't know about are some of the seed programs that you did in the Youngstown area that actually built the base of support for NMMI, both the incubator program you have and your ability to capitalize on manufacturing extension. Would you talk about some of the seeds and how they've blossomed?
1: Sure. You know, one of the things was collaboration. And so in my early years in Congress, I traveled to China, I traveled to India, I traveled to um, Europe, and I got myself – I grew up in Niles, which is a real small town, and I went to YSU, and then I went to Bowling Green, and I I'm a local guy, but traveling there really opened my eyes to – You know, because I grew up playing a lot of sports. I was a quarterback, right? So my football team played the neighboring football team, and that was the comp. So Niles was competing against Warren, and Youngstown was competing against maybe Pittsburgh, maybe Cleveland. But the travels opened my eyes to the idea that we're all, as a region, you know, Northeast Ohio and Western PA are really competing against the world. Yes. We're competing as a region against Beijing and Mumbai And so it can't be just Youngstown State University. So in 2007, myself and then Congressman Jason Altmeyer from Western PA, we took the chance to uh, have a big meeting in Youngstown with people from Akron, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Youngstown. And we called it a tech belt, from from, from Mm -hmm. steel belt to rust belt to tech tech belt. belt. And we invite, you know, because when you're looking at the region, you think Carnegie Mellon, Mm -hmm. University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, PNC Bank, Cleveland Clinic, Case Western Reserve, Youngstown was the first school in Ohio to have a STEM college. Akron's doing polymers. Kent's doing liquid crystals. What are we doing? So let's get everybody in the same room, and just see what happens. That convening led to a tech belt initiative. So fast forward, when President Obama came with the uh, his his network of innovation institutes, manufacturing institutes, um, the tech belt. Came together and put a proposal together for the first institute, and we won, and we beat we did beat out Ohio State, <laughs> we know um, that, <laughs> Georgia Tech, MIT, um, schools in Florida, because we came together. So the very very early stages. Now that the the Youngstown Business Incubator was already moving forward, um, we were able to get money and continue to build. That's a business to business software. Um, Incubator that was just recognized last year as the number one university-affiliated incubator in the entire world, who would have thought, out of Youngstown, Ohio. So the Tech Belt Initiative was about taking all of that to the next level. So now, the America Makes, the Additive Manufacturing Institute, 3D printing and all the rest, is on the same campus as the Youngstown Business Incubator and you think about software and the Internet of Things, and you see how all this is really starting to come together, tying in uh, Youngstown State University. Uh, so those were the very early seeds of, you know, bringing, uh, bringing all of these different entities together. So to me, that's where you go. That's how you leverage federal money. That's how you leverage private investment. They, people want to look, whether it's a government or a private business, say, who's working together here? I don't have enough money to give to everybody. So when you see everybody come together, that's, that's what's really positioned the Mahoning Valley and Youngstown in a really good place. And, and, the,
0: and the other thing you've done, you've been a huge catalyst. If you had asked me five years ago, would GE make a turbine using a 3D printer? I would have said no way. Mm -hmm. And yet, because of your initiative up in Youngstown, 3D printing, we're now printing titanium wings. Mm -hmm. We're looking at things we never thought of. To take it to a simple level, just so you know, in uh, Columbus, we have an idea factory, and they bought a 3D printer. And the first challenge for the students was to use the printer to print a printer. So now they have two printers. So when you look at that kind of innovation, it's, it's endless. But it also helps us compete. Right. So globally now we have a competitive process reduces the cost of manufacturing. Sure, so good it, for the,
1: good for the environment reduces material costs, weight the weight of cars, boats, planes, products you're shipping, you know which saves energy. All of this feeds into, I think the great big challenge, and you know we we have so many challenges today with yeah. global warming, the environment, um, income inequality how do we really stimulate new sectors of the economy? I think a lot of people, the anxiety, and the, not to get into the politics, but of the presidential election on both sides, you see a lot of people say there's anger, and I think there's some anger, but I think it's mostly anxiety. How am I going to make a living? Is my job going to be here in five years? We're competing with the globe. <laughs> you know, The technology's moving so fast, p- displacing workers. What am I going to do? And i if, if we're not initiating and creating new sectors of the economy that are really going to allow for good paying jobs. If you look at additive manufacturing, projected to grow 25% a year for the next 10 years. Right. So my philosophy has always been get ahead of those those tidal waves that are coming. So I've always worked to position my communities in front of these tidal waves and so that they can grow and then young people can come back and have an opportunity. If you look at clean energy, Huge opportunity, not only how it's built, how it's maintained, the grid. You know, you look at people want to bring manufacturing back. If you have windmills, 8,000 component parts, you know, tons of steel, rebar, cement, gear shifts, hydraulics, bolts. There's 500 bolts in one. You know, we've got to manufacture that. So if you want to bring manufacturing back... What's the policy? We can't just scream here and bang our chest and say, I'll bring back manufacturing. Vote for me on, in November. Exactly. You know, What's the plan? Well, there's a plan in clean energy, and it's solar panels and windmills. And so if you want to bring manufacturing back and then you factor in what's happening in places like Ohio State or the other universities that I mentioned, be on the cutting edge of making that industry sharper, better, more efficient, more on the cutting edge, those companies want to be around where that knowledge is coming out of. Exactly. And that's why GE is locating just west of Pittsburgh, a huge facility based on additive manufacturing. It's not a coincidence. It's between the Youngstown-Pittsburgh corridor between the Additive Manufacturing Institute, Carnegie Mellon, and what they're doing there. It makes all the sense in the world. So if we position ourselves as is really making investments and let the world know that we're committed to making these investments. We're also committed to making sure that the young people who come to our country to go to school can stay here through a good, solid immigration reform policy so that we can keep uh, the the cutting-edge talent in the United States. People say, you know, they talk about immigration, they're taking my jobs. We want immigrants who can come to this country, who will learn in this country, that are going to create billions of dollars worth of wealth and hire thousands and thousands of people. And there are those people out there that we've let go back to their country and and the other countries have benefited from their knowledge that they learned at our universities. Exactly. So this has all got to fit together of research and development, good immigration policy, wise investments, lower college tuition, those things fit into a big strong growth uh, a pattern in the philosophy for us.
0: So what can people that are in the uh, academic arena do to help plant the seeds for the workforce of the future, not just at the four-year level but at the two-year level, even the vocational technical high school level, because you made a key point. Every guest that we've had on the show that runs a plant says the kids think they're gonna be dirty, it's soot, and when you walk into the plant of today, you could eat off the floor. Mm-hmm. But there's this image of mm-hmm. manufacturing. Uh, I just left Tanzania. Working with your hands is something people look down upon, and you say, "No, this is a great opportunity." Mm-hmm. How do we better educate people as to the nature of the business and its potential?
1: Um, I, I think a couple things. One. Those 3D printers you talked about, they yeah. need to be in every school in the country. Yeah. You know, you just need to load the schools up with 3D printers and get these kids engaged. I think K-12, through 12, we've got to adjust our curriculum where we make school really fun and really hands-on and then, then teach them what needs to be taught. And I think um, getting to the guidance counselors, to me, is a real key point. Our guidance counselors you know, need to do a better job of making sure that these kids know that the the manufacturing jobs of the future aren't uh, what we said, you know, because right. they're not, and there's great opportunity there. And the great myth is everyone's got to go to college today, too. That's the big, right. the big, great, big lie in America <laughs> is that, you know, everyone has to go to college or you somehow can't, you know. I mean, there's there's so many good jobs of the future you know, we, we have a need for welders, for example. The, the last thing that I think is really important, too, is some, some, uh, somewhat based on the German model. How do we get kids in high school on a track that, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's medicine, maybe it's law, maybe it's to be a professor, maybe it's to whatever, but also to be a welder, to be some, in, in one of these computer scientists, one of these manufacturing lanes and so in uh, Stark State uh, Community College up in uh, Ac- Summit and and Stark, they they have high school programs where you can actually get 13 credits for welding, uh, 13 of the 30 credits you would need to have a welding certificate before you even get out of high school. That's so correct. you're already getting on the track. So you're not graduating from high school and you know staying in your parents' uh, basement. And 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 saying, how come I can't find work? When you look around, and there's a bunch of welding jobs. It doesn't mean you got to be a welder the rest of your life, but it does mean with a few more uh, credits, right. you can actually get a job making 70000 dollars a year right out of high school. Exactly. And that to me is a great start to your life. So, like I said, maybe you want to go back to school. Maybe you can go to school at night. But you're you're out of your parents' house, you have a car and a house and a rent payment or whatever, you're contributing to the economy, you're saving for your retirement, you're maybe saving money to go figure out how to get more training. And to me, those are the kind of things. Get people on a track, the old apprentice system. Right. This is really unique where we are today with – kids, 13, 14, being in high school and kind of out for generations, it was you get on a track. You're going to be a blacksmith. You're going to be a lawyer. You're going to be a doctor. You get on that track at a very young age because, you, you know, you give kids too much free time. <laughs> <Mischief>. <laughs> they find out that have, have fun.
0: Well, you also just reduce the risk to the company because the Half of the training's already been taken care of at the expense of the public school system, which companies like. Right. When I was at NASA Glenn, again, back in the dark ages mm-hmm. in the 80s, uh, we ran apprenticeship programs, as did the Air Force and the Navy, and every year we'd recruit the top students in high school who mm-hmm. understood math primarily well, could do design work. We'd run the program and they'd get out job offers immediately. Mm-hmm. So it is, you're right, um, you know, my, in my Alabama life I built spacecraft and I used to tell people for each project I needed one engineer and 10 great technicians. Mm. But I didn't need 11 engineers because mm-hmm. you couldn't afford that model. Right, right. One of the things, you know, um, I, again, as we, um, as we host guests on the show, few people are aware of the critical role that Ohio already plays in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So again, the fact that we're the key supplier to Boeing and Airbus, mm-hmm. It's one of those things you wish everybody knew, right? (laughs) We we all look at the auto industry, but Mm -hmm. we don't realize we're critical to a lot of other sectors. How do you bring the message to people that it's just not advocating for an initiative? There really are jobs and there's market share for the U.S. How do you get that message across to people across the state? Well, we've...
1: I think there's some, some leaders coming up now that haven't given up, but I think a lot of people over the years gave up on manufacturing. And so it just became kind of something that we didn't talk about. And and like when you look at Boeing and Airbus and you know uh, Alcoa that now took over a, a facility in Niles that's an old titanium company, RTI, um, RTI jobs that are now feeding in that, that are now going in Alcoa that are going into building these big airplanes. There's people there making hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. You know they work hard, and sometimes it's six days a week, and sometimes seven, and sometimes five. But they make a really good living there, and that's that's the aerospace industry. When the aerospace industry is older now, and the next ten to twenty years is a huge growth spurt for aerospace. All these planes that were built in the sixties and seventies are now needing replaced. Thank God. I mean, <laughs> we want them replaced, um, and so it, it's got to. It, we've got to shift the the narrative. I think these GE commercials. You know, you're going to change the world.
0: They're really phenomenal. Uh, they're hilarious. I, I've yeah. seen them
1: 50 times, and yeah. I laugh every single time. You can't pick it up, can You yeah. can't pick up the hammer. And <laughs> I think those those are the kind of things. What Siemens is doing. I think they've they've got some great commercials, and how exciting of a time it is. It Really. It's it's a great time to be alive. I mean, we've got our great challenges, but what an exciting time to create! If you want to create something now, here's a 3D printer. Have at it, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think to we've got to nationally have a national manufacturing kind of movement back into the schools. What you're doing here at Ohio State. I was just saying, my, my son's 13 years old. I, I was regretting not bringing him down to see what was going on, you know, in the Center for Automotive Research here.
0: Phenomenal. Phenomenal.
1: They're, you know, yep. battery-powered motor, uh, motorcycles and cars and, you know, and they're racing and it's a competition. So, you know, across the streets, the horseshoe, where we think of competition.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, but the things like the FIRST Robotics Competition. That Dean Kamen started. I mean, amazing to create a competition for these kids who don't play sports, and there's a heck of a lot more kids like that than there are that play on the football team. You know, you got schools with thousands of kids, and you got fifty or a hundred kids on the football team. What about all the other kids? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so w- we got to change the big picture narrative. I think it is, hopefully, at the presidential level, where somebody's saying. We realize that the kind of lower end manufacturing, the the toys that are in the McDonald's Happy Meal or whatever, we're never gonna get that back. Right. You know? Unless you're making them yourself with the three D printer and you pick out which one you wanna print. You know, then you can do that. But as far as large scale, we're not getting that back. America's gonna be the high-end advanced manufacturing capital of the world. And we're going to make it all here. And it's going to be high-end and it's going to be tied to our universities. And we're going to grow the sector of the economy. And we're going to really revitalize manufacturing in a way that we've never, ever seen before. And it's going to fit into transportation. It's going to fit in the high-speed rail. It's going to fit into satellites. It's going to fit into engineering new cars that are battery powered or drive themselves and the sensors and all of the things that go into that, that's going to happen here in the United States and we're going to export that to the world and everyone's going to be a part of this great national initiative and we're going to have everybody so well trained in the United States that we're going to be a magnet for foreign companies to want to locate manufacturing facilities here. Yeah, they're low-end stuff. Maybe they'll do it in Indonesia or Vietnam or China. But if they're doing something high-end, they're going to want to be between Youngstown and Pittsburgh because they're going to be focused on additive. Right. Boom. We want those facilities in our region. And with natural gas being at the price it is today, we have a competitive advantage in manufacturing. We need to take advantage of that. Situation and be a magnet with our workforce and our research here in the United States. And I think it's totally doable.
0: Congressman, I don't think I could end the show on a better message than that one. It's upbeat. It's visionary. And it's a great challenge to everyone because we're talking about systems of systems Mm -hmm. that we've never done before, but we have the capacity to do it in this region, and I hope we take the leadership role, as you suggested. So thanks for being with us today. Thanks, You're a great guest.
1: Thank you.